Hi, welcome everybody. This is Sergio Bacazzo, CEO of Cultivated Genetics. And I'd like to welcome Mr. Rich Cromlin, otherwise known as One Eye. Rich, welcome. Hey, hey how you doing, Sergio? I'm doing great, man. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. It's an honor. It's a privilege. You are a legendary breeder in the cannabis community. And I am super grateful that we have um, one of your cultivars, the Dog Walker OG, uh, about to be released here in the near future, coming up in about April. So um, without further ado, I wanted to just go ahead and, and say thank you again for joining and uh, you know, welcome to the Cultivated Familia. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be uh, put in this position uh, and given this opportunity. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, the story of, of that one strain, I mean, I, that is arguably the strain that helped, you know, kind of put me on, if there is a map on the map. Uh, you know, it's been kind of a long journey with that one. Uh, it's been running now for a little, gosh, a little, right around 10 years now. I think this would be about the 10th year. Uh, and, uh, you know, it came from a very interesting uh, motivation uh, from my end. But, you know, one thing, you know, the, the world should probably know. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting when I get tagged as a breeder. And, uh, it, you know, uh, I, I like to think of myself you know, as, as a small grower who does a little breeding on the side. Um, you know, I'm not a giant seed maker, that's for sure. Uh, but over the years, just due to my own interest in cannabis and its potential, uh, the breeding thing just kind of was almost happenstance. You know, and early on, it was, you know, somewhat accidental and then became more intentional as I, you know, evolved in who I would become. Uh, in the industry, but uh, you know the you know I like to tip my hats to a lot of the big breeders out there that do that as a living. Uh, you know the breeding for me is kind of a side project, but it has led to some really wonderful, wonderful varieties that I am and have been super stoked on for years. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's perfect intro, and and I think really what's 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 been the most special part about this is like. The dog walker OG is one of those cultivars that has, it came in with force, right? And then we started seeing it periodically pop up. Was it the actual dog walker? Was it not? So there's almost this like mysterious allure to if it actually is the dog walker. And so we, we were blessed by actually getting this particular cultivar from uh, Kevin Jodry. So shout out to you, Kev, appreciate you. Um, and it's, it's special. I mean, it's truly one of those cultivars that is just obnoxiously loud. I mean, she packs a punch and sure. absolutely stunning. So um, one of the biggest challenges that we actually did hear about um, mm -hmm. when we did release the dog walker last year was it was a little bit finicky, right? Sure. A little bit of a challenge to grow, which I don't want people to be intimidated by growing her. I think we just need to understand a little bit more about her, which is why I, I'm, again, we're super grateful that you're taking the time to sure. tell us a little bit about these intricacies or maybe help guide the, the community with how we can really treat her. Yeah, I, I mean, I can certainly, so, you know, just, you know, real quick, um, if you think about the root genetics or what's actually goes into it, you know, uh, there's the OG Cushcut, uh, Kim Four, and Albert Walker. And, you know, the Albert Walker that we worked or that was, you know, gifted to me here years ago uh, that would eventually lead uh, to the AWOG cross was a really finicky plant in and of itself. So finicky at the time for me that I actually kind of gave up on it after the last round uh, that I pollinated with the uh, OG. And same thing with the OG. Uh, the OG at the time, you know, really thin branching, 
I would have this issue where the tops would snap a lot, you know, right around week eight or so. And it'd be very disappointing to come into the room and see like literally tops on the floor. And this is before I was really aware of scrogging. You know, we were still kind of doing a lot of staking back then, but that was about it. Um, and the OG itself, you know, learning how to feed it and stuff like that was really, it was tricky. And mm -hmm. it was at a time, you know, uh, this is probably 05, I think here in Portland. So, you know, going back a few years now, and, you know, I wasn't as well versed in growing techniques as I am today and understanding nutrient regimens and the needs of certain varieties. Uh, so that's another one that I literally gave up on after mm -hmm. a few rounds. Um, so those two varieties in and of themselves are, are, are pretty finicky as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think anybody who's grown them would, you know, probably not argue with that too much. Uh, so their progeny, <laughs> uh, certainly, and, and I'm not going to say the Chem 4 is a finicky plant because I don't find that one to be super hard to cultivate. Uh, but yeah, the others are, and that definitely kind of got passed on to Dog Walker in a couple of different ways. So um, the first and we noticed, and this is something that we learned very early on in the first couple rounds of cultivating it. And when I say we, um, so there was an original circle of eight mm -hmm. that had the cut. And uh, quick, if I can, a sidebar for a second. Please. That's yes. all right. So um, I got, um, I was fascinated by the cookie phenomenon in 09. You know, I had friends telling me, oh, you know, pay thousands of dollars for cuts and, you know they're getting this amount for this in the medical dispensaries which was more than anybody else was getting and you know I, I I just couldn't understand you know what it was and I saw the plant and it was you know it's a fascinating plant at the time but I just couldn't understand what it was that was driving up the frenzy for it and the way it kind of got explained to me by one of my buddies in uh, NorCal was, you know, they do these very limited release of the genetic, you know, and very limited releases of the flower. You know, they're almost controlling how much goes out there, but they're driving this kind of hype behind it. Um, you know, this is what you have to get next, right? But you can only get this much of it, right? You know, or there's only a few cuts available, they cost this much. So if you really, so it's this whole kind of, you know, almost like a market manipulation um, that worked. I mean, there, there's, there's no, I mean, I cannot argue with the results that that whole project, you know, what they've, the end result is just incredible. Um, and it all started with that one plant. Um, and so, you know, for me, when I got back to Oregon at the time, I was uh, involved in the medical, uh, you know, solely in the medical community here. Uh, this is right about when uh, dispensaries start to open up in Oregon. There's not a lot of real law. So, you know, the medical growers can sell to the dispensaries. Most of them in the beginning were kind of these farmer's market style things. But anyway, um, and at that time, medical growers were getting less, because more and more were coming on board, were getting less and less and less for their crops. And it was, you know, the, the devaluing of cannabis really started at this point in time. And it was kind of sad. <laughs> you know, because nobody's putting in less work, um, nobody's spending less to create it at that point in time, uh, but just due to the oversupply, due to more people growing, uh, it, drove the cost, it drove the price down. So I thought, you know, if I could throw something into the world that could check all these boxes and then really control how it's released, 
could I do something similar to that here in Portland? Um, and I knew, you know, whatever it is, it's got to be special. It's got to be different. You know, it, it can't be the, the, the norm. And, you know, lots of OGs and sours and stuff were being do done here at that time. You know, Blue Dream was big, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I was like, let's, you know, just see if we can do this. So I had a scenario where I had gotten Chem 4 and originally it was passed off to me uh, as a Chem 98. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So I just assumed they meant Chem 91, not 98. And I ran with that for the first few years. Nobody ever argued with it. But once we got into like Phylos and Inspecta had to, uh, from CSI had thrown his into the universe, then we realized, okay, yeah, I have Chem 4 all along. It's not 91. I have to retract, you know, the genetic lineage. Um, but so anyway, you know, when I had the Chem 4, I had this AWOG. And the AWOGs weren't always necessarily that stable because it's self-pollen from OG Kush to begin with. Mm. Um, and I had one in the room that hit this Chem 4. And the seeds, you know, immediately I'm thinking, okay, this is, you know, this could be really good. Um, there weren't a lot of the original seeds, maybe only 70 or 80. Um, there's still a good number left. Um, and at, I didn't have enough time to crack. I didn't have the space in my room to crack them at that time. So I hand off to one of my coworkers. I gave him five seeds. Uh, three of them came up right away. Two of them fell over. Uh, and out of the three, as they were vegging, he kept saying, there's this one that's really musky. He just kept using the word musky. And, you know, at first I'm like, like musky, like a basement, you know, like that doesn't, that sounds okay. Just not that interesting. He kept saying this musky one, this musky one. Uh, and, you know, a couple months later, he has the first harvest and, you know, he brings the flower and I'm like, whoa, is this the musky one? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I killed the other two. I was like, cool. Let me grab this one. So he's number one of the eight. And so what I did was grew the plant out around or to myself, saw this potential handed flower out. People were going goo goo gaga. This is right now, um, at this point now, we're starting to get in the very first uh, lab testing here in Oregon. Uh, there was a group, uh, Sunrise Analytical, that started up pretty early on. Um, you know, we the, the first round I ever tested was like 28% THC. The guy who was at the lab was this older gentleman. He just kind of went nuts over it. Um, you know, we hit our first 30 percenters through that lab before anybody hit it 30 percent in any variety here in Oregon. Um, so, yeah, you know, we had something special. So I went to a small group of my friends who were growers, you know, each of them got the cut and we decided, OK, you know, this is how much we release it for. And everybody agrees on what that cost is. And as long as we all hold it in and we all hold true, you know, we might be able to start kind of a movement here. And that worked for about 18 months. You know, uh, eventually thing, you know, cuts were stolen, you know, people's partnerships broke, you know, partner took it, gave it off to someone else. Um, but really for a moment there, we were able to command a price for that particular flower that was certain, not double, but certainly significantly more expensive than anything else here in town. And we did it on the premise of, you know, a lot of places are gonna say no, cause it's too expensive. We only need a couple yeses, right? So that whole 
premise from seeing what they did with cookies, kind of trying to mimic that here in Portland, it worked and it worked for a while. Um, you know, in the beginning there of this, this testing days, you know, even when it first traveled up to Seattle, you know, it was hitting the first 30% there. Down to California, not necessarily the first, but one of the first down there as well. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 via testing and validation, you know, we were able to show that this is something that certainly stands apart. And then, you know, of course, the, the flavor, the terpene profile, um, you know, the whole palate experience of that, you know, genetic is extremely complex, you know, multi-layered. Uh, and that really, you know, helped create a new benchmark for me and pursuing what that next thing was going to be. You touched on something really important there, Rich, is the flavor profile is very, just very unique, right? And I think that's, that's, it's great that it tested in the 30 percentile and above, which I think right now as an, as a, as an industry, we're trying to recreate the notion that THC does not dominate the entire buying experience. No. This is what really, this is what totally was attractive about the dog walk when I finally got a chance to check it out, was it was so flavorful, right? And that's, that's one of those things that you know, as, as we as a nursery, we try to continue to bring in specific cultivars that will help allow people to understand the flavonoids and, and everything that's kind of complex behind these special cultivars is part of the macro thesis, right? We want to avoid the whole THC over everything else uh, perspective, but it's great. I, I mean, it was really exciting to see some of our cultivation partners hit 35, 36% THC, 44% total cannabinoids. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, like what is, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. So, and, you know, we didn't get the results back until after the, the you know, the, the cultivar was actually out of rotation, right? Because, sure. you know, we, we only have moms right. for four to five months right. at most right. and they're gone. Right. So that's when, that's when we knew we had something special. We, we knew of the dog walk, we knew it's, it's heritage, but didn't realize the significance of it until after the moms were retired, which is why we're like, holy shit, we got to bring it back. This is, this yeah, is amazing. I mean, I mean and, it, and you, you're right about one. I mean, it, it, it checks both of those boxes, you know? So when we're looking at entourage or concert effects, you know, of cannabis, here's something that is extremely rich, both in cannabinoids and terpenes. Yeah. And those extremely rich varieties, you know, for me personally, you know, effect wise tend to produce the effects that I'm looking for when I'm consuming cannabis, um, you know, and that is a flower that can hit, you know, five, 6% terpene levels, you know, I've got lab results to prove it. Uh, and when you get into those, you know, five and up range on flower, you know, you're, you're getting some very, very, you know, strong smelling, strong tasting cannabis. Um, and it is, and, and, you know, for me, I'm not a big one trick pony. So if it's just dominant, you know, the, the oranges, for example, kind of get lost on me a little bit because it's such a dominating note and it's harder to reveal some of those other, you know, layers uh, that, you know, don't necessarily have an opportunity to stand out when there's that, that orange dominance. Right. Uh, you know, the one trick pony varieties, I'm just, it, they don't do much for me. You know, I want my, you know, experience and I want the experience the people who are consuming the varieties that I create uh, to be like, you know, a fine wine or good food, you know, 30 seconds afterwards, cleaning off the palate with the tongue and still being able to experience and peel back some of those layers. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing right there. It's it, it coats your mouth, right? I mean, the, the experience of it is, uh, is unique. And, and that's, that's one of the special things. Like we wanted to, we wanted to make sure people didn't just overlook it because they had a, a, a challenging experience firsthand. Um, maybe it didn't work with their environment. Maybe it didn't work with their specific light setup or the spacing on, right? Because I've seen a lot of different facilities where, you know, it's either under HPS, decent amount of stretch or, or you know, a spacing, or it's in a double stacked LED where it's 12 inches from the canopy and she may not like that. No, right? no uh, so you've touched on something actually very important. So, so the first, the first, uh, This is where I was going to jump back to, actually. Uh, so in those first couple rounds of growing the dog walker with the original group of eight, uh, we were all using 1,000 watt H single-ended HPS back then. This is just before double-endeds really hit the market. And we're all, you know, generally hovering around 18 inches or so over the canopy, um, maybe 20 at max. And the first thing we noticed is what light stress would do to dog walker. And in the early days, it would actually create a few staminate flowers, right? And so the first couple of rounds, we're all having this issue. And then one of the, uh, one of the, actually uh, Patrick from Heroes of the Farm uh, decided one time to jack his up, you know, 36 inches for a round. No more staminate flower popping out ever again, you know, for any of us uh, to this day. And so, you know, the, what we realize is she doesn't, she's very sensitive to being oversaturated. So when folks are, you know, measuring you know, PPFD and, you know, across the plane, this plant's going to perform most likely better 650 to 700 than 800 to 880. So in the more intense parts of room or in a more intense, um, in a more intense environment, she doesn't, she's just not as happy. Um, and, you know, once that part was figured out, then we start to realize what some of the other sensitivities are. And those go right back to the chem and OG genetics and that being this just massive need for calcium. And if you're growing on LA, under LEDs, actually a pretty massive need for magnesium as well. Uh, there's something about that LED light that drives up that need for mag, it seems like to me. Um, that's anecdotal. I'm sure there's someone who's studied that. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, there's these nutrient needs that can be exacerbated by these oversaturation scenarios. And when those two compound, um, you know, that's when she gets really stressed out. That's when we get a lot of modeling in the leaf. We get some rusting. Um, you know, she doesn't necessarily plump out quite as much. Uh, as far as, you know, in that ripening process. Uh, it's not that it's a loose flower ever, but there's, there's density that can be had when, when she's happy and healthy. Sure. Yeah. That's a, so you, you touch on a couple of things there and the whole, the whole crop steering movement, mm -hmm. right? Understanding yeah. how, how do you get as much high PPFD and high EC into the plant? So if, if treated correctly, maybe you just, maybe we're talking about adjusting the EC levels and adjusting the light intensity so we can still technically crop steer her um, to a certain degree, but maybe not full maximum. Not, at, not in the same threshold as some of the other varieties will handle, you know, so, you know, their threshold, she's 10% below it. Sure. Right. And it's okay. That's fine. You know, you can still max out yields. I mean, I, you know, 
I've seen that plant in commercial scenarios. I'm sure your customers have too. Maybe you have as well. I mean, she'll yield. Uh, we can get nice big plants with nice big flowers uh, pretty consistently. Um, where I find her more in those stressed environments, believe it or not, are those just kind of smaller LED, or not smaller, but shorter LED runs. And that's where these days I'm seeing a lot of the oversaturation. Um, and I just don't think, you know, even with an adjusted EC, that that particular plant will handle just, it just, it won't handle the amount of light. Mm. You know, it just, it, it can't handle that, that, you know, being bombarded by photons that heavily. Uh, gotcha. And it's okay, you know, what I've noticed, even when I run, you know, run it with uh, under LED, you know, myself, uh, you know, I generally am maxing out at about 670 watts and that's at peak. And I'm, you know, two, almost two feet off the canopy and with an LED fixture, which is, you know, a lot of people run, like run a lot closer and, you know, sometimes a little more intense. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, you know, once you work out the quirks on that plant, um, she can be pretty steady. You know, the other, uh, the other, I guess the other trouble area that some people have with it is cloning, uh, which I find to be kind of remarkable. Uh, some people claim that it's a hard plant to clone. Never, never really experienced that myself, but, um, you know, I, uh, I do hear that from time to time. That's interesting because um, we actually had a very high cloning rate, success rate on them. And these, these plants that you see in the background, I specifically yeah. chose this background because this is the dog walker. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, they're nice looking moms. <laughs> oh, they're, they were beautiful and they were the yeah. most vigorous cuts that we were producing out of the facility. Oh, wow. So that was yeah. one of those things that we're like, I think we're onto something here with this yeah. one, right? Because it was That's the most awesome. accepting to the environment. She, she rooted really well and she was vigorous. And now when we started seeing the results come back in, yeah, it was definitely special. So, right on. you know, I think the, as, as a good takeaway to hear um, some of these intricacies and nuances about her, um, if we're, if for any of the crop steers out there, dollar back about 10% roughly based on what you guys are, uh, you know, typically steering or pushing the limits on certain genetics and be CalMag ready. Yeah. Right. I mean, she, she's got, she's going to need a lot of CalMag. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as, as, as almost funny as it is to say that, because that seems to be the answer to everything these days. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's actually right. true about this plant. And, and one thing that, um, that we also recognized about the dog walker was that she was very resistant to PM. She can, she can take, um, she was very resistant to, to pests as well. I had a couple of clients say, Hey, we actually got hit with with a bunch of thrifts and they avoided the dog walker, but they totally oh, wow. annihilated it and went after, you know, the, the, the other cultivar. Yeah, left well, fish. you know, I, I'm a real big believer in, you know, pests and pathogens seek out the weakest link always, always, you know? And so if that's ever, a, you know, and I, and, and it's interesting that you guys see the PM resistance, because we definitely don't necessarily see that out here, uh, here in Portland. Um, but that being said, you know, that goes to show, you know, how healthy to me, how healthy the cuts from the mom, you know, that, that clone stock is so very, the mom stock is extremely important. The clones coming off though, the health of those is extremely important. Uh, so, you know, for me, that's, that's a nod to you guys and what you're doing. And, you know, I think it's also probably a nod to, to the, to the tissue culture practice. Couldn't agree more. Right. Uh, yeah. No, that, no labs. Yeah, I mean that what those guys are doing is incredible. The model that they've set up is 
picture perfect for what, you know, that is a service that this industry dearly, dearly needed. Um, but that whole, you know, kind of resetting back to zero uh, every few months, you know, that's, that's important. And that definitely, I think, begets for a much healthier uh, and potentially healthier plant moving forward, and certainly a stronger one. Uh, you know, at this point, I don't know what generation I'm on. A lot, <laughs> you know. Um, fortunately, I haven't seen you know too much epigenetic drift or anything crazy like that with it. She hasn't lost potency yes yet or anything crazy like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it it has a lot of vigor still. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the vigor that you guys see once again that tissue culture step is such a game changer. Mm. You know, um, than something that's been cloned over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, I I'm in a, you know, for myself, for example, you know, I am in a position where I can't maintain moms, mm -hmm. so I'm literally cloning twice every round, <laughs> which is a little maddening. Um, and but then that kind of lets you know, like how far out those generations are really going. I mean, they're growing almost exponentially. It feels like, uh, but yeah, you know, it's. Uh, as far as being hardy and pest resistant, yeah, the, I don't seem to have many pest problems with that plant. Customers are seeing yeah, that. Absolutely. And that, that was one of those things. It's like, how do we, how, how do we guide the request for new breeding projects to have certain cultivars that can be, you know, resistant factor driven mm -hmm. rather than high THC driven. Sure. And, and that's something that, you know, as we start to go down the commercial, the commercialized cultivar route, Right, we don't want to just release new genetics if they haven't been commercially stabilized, which is a that's a loaded comment or statement right there alone. Mm -hmm. However, when we start to see a lot of uh, a lot of different scenarios where the plant is is provenly showing us that it's resistant to certain mm -hmm. pathogenic pressure or pests, heck mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to be a staple in a breeding background. And how do you really get some of those traits out there? And I pulled this off of one of the other podcasts that you were on sure. um, a couple of years ago about the proof cultivar. Yeah. And you yep. wanted to be able to showcase that you were able to kind of breed in specific traits mm -hmm. of a shorter finish of the photo mm -hmm. period or the flower period. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, that one goes back, gosh, to probably 2001 for me. Um, so uh, I had a cut of silver pearl uh, from seeds my buddy had cracked in uh, probably late 90s from uh, Sensi. And I had basically crossed a male from KC of KC 36 from KC brains, um, which little side note, you know, that plant, uh, so silver pearl 45 day finisher, first of all, um, nice compact plant, bright orange hair, super frosty, wonderful, wonderful plant to grow and smoke. Um, KC 36, 50, the, uh, maybe you know, 49 to maybe 60 day potential on the, on the flowering cycle, still fairly short. Um, and, you know, I did the cross and what I was trying to do was basically at that time, show a couple of my buddies that, you know, we could find a short cycle plant that produced decently, uh, you know, there was no testing or even concept back then of, you know, how strong something was, but, you know, just produce something good that's flowered really quickly, maybe get an extra round every year out. And so the end result was the proof. And most of the progeny of the proof um, have this, all of them have that very short squat stature. 
Um, all of the proof itself uh, have this very distinct kind of sour floral note that seems to show up even in its crosses, which is really interesting to me. Um, uh, but and everything finished, you know, 45, 50 days max, you know. Uh, so then taking uh, a mail of proof and back then I had a small handful of plants that I would normally, you know, I'd normally flower out and basically hitting pretty much all of those with the proof. And what was interesting to me was you know, and I've gone, I haven't gone through all of the, the crosses even at this point. I've gone through maybe six to eight of them at this point. And, you know, everything is that short stature that's translated through. Nothing flowers longer than about 49 days, which is kind of interesting, but most everything ended up with that kind of silver pearl size flower. Um, one standout so far was the proof crossed with uh, G-Wid, which is just a G13 white widow that used to cut that used to go around here in Portland. And that one short stature, short flowering time. But, you know, I mean, I've seen almost half the forearm on a lower on that plant, you know, on a plant in a three gallon container. Uh, wow. So it throws out these really, really nice, you know, more massive flowers. And that one is this kind of, um, if, I, if you want a description, you know, uh, the nose is it has a little bit of that weird floral thing coming in from the original uh, proof cross. Uh, but then there's this sour citrus rind, lavender kind of combo going on that clash. Um, and once again, this is one of those things that, you know, 30 seconds afterwards, I can detect new flavors and new notes, you know, just kind of rolling it around on the palate. Um, so that one is actually that, you know, I've kept in the rotation. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the whole premise behind that was just, you know, back then, because everyone's like, you know, a lot of the guys that I hung out with back then who were growers, you know, eight or nine weeks, eight or nine weeks, eight or nine weeks, cough, 10 weeks, 10 weeks, you know, power D11, this, you gotta grow, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I've seen some short flowering plants turn out some decent material. Let's see what we can do. So we released, I released the proof, uh, you know, and some buddies grew it back then. I mean, nobody, you know, I've got a lot of the original seed stock of the proof and then some of the crosses. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and these days it's, it's really refreshing to crack one of those seeds. <laughs> you know, um, I just cracked uh, back at the end of last year, a Matanuska mist and the proof crossed. And, you know, it's just so cool to have a, you know, a flower that kind of has all these kind of older world genetics, if you will, in them, you know, not land race or anything, you know, that old, but, you know, you've got the silver pearl, the KC 36, uh, Alaska thunderfuck, the gray mist, you know, these, this is what's going in to make this, you know, this new cultivar. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of a refreshing experience, you know, and as much as I love my cookie crosses, my OGs, my chems and all that good stuff, you know, sometimes what's old is really new <laughs> these sure. days. And, it, and it's going to come and, back and, for sure. Yeah. And I, and, and I enjoy that experience, you know, and I kind of enjoy some of those, you know, throwback, throwback flavors and you know, it's nostalgic and kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we completely agree in that. We're actually really excited. We're going to be getting the Royal OG Kush 
hopefully add a tissue culture in the near future as well. So, you know, some like going back to a lot of these originals that would be phenomenal breeding backgrounds and something like the proof, right? I'm actually curious. So did you mention that the progeny of the proof was actually transferring along and shortening up the flowering time on yeah. those? Yeah, because I, I ended up, you know, back crossing it, I think once. And that's what I have a lot of the seed stock of now. So I'm not going to say it's homogenous because it certainly isn't. Uh, but it's getting there, you know, most everything that I've seen come out of that has been this, you know, very short, and, and then, you know, I don't think it's a good, I don't know if it would be a great commercial plant, because it is a slow veg, you know, it's a shorter squatter plant, I mean, really shorter, really squatter, um, you know, it definitely has, most of them have this kind of tight internodal spacing on lateral branches that require maintenance, mm -hmm. otherwise you'll end up with a bunch of, you know, puffball flowers that are shrouded by a you know, canopy unless, you know, we do all the leaf stripping or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, just about everything. I've, I've yet to see a, a tall, stretchy plant, you know, come out of it. And maybe that's the outlier that I'm looking for someday. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'm a big believer in those outliers. Um, you know, that's that's what kind of made the, the Scooby kind of so unique is that it didn't necessarily represent either one of the parents. So let's talk about the Scooby. Sure. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> All right. So the Scooby Which is Scooby a dog are you walker. About? So the, the Scooby snacks. Oh, right? Scooby so snacks. we've got the, yes. So dog walker OG cross cross with the Girl Scout cookie, which is the forum yeah. cut Girl Scout yes. cookie. Yes. Okay. And so here's that whole here's a quick story on that. Um, so when I first got that forum cut, I brought it up here to Oregon. Um and you know, I've had people kind of quibble with me on Instagram about this. This is completely just observation. It's anecdotal. It's not science, but it's what happened. So if I had a single forum cut plant in the room, it would create on the very, one of the lower branches, always one little male staminate flower, like a full one, you know? And the first time it happened, it totally caught me off guard. Uh, that's how we ended up with Scooby Snacks. <laughs> the second time I was paying attention, the third time I did it intentionally. And each one of those times, same thing happened. I don't know. You know, I can't explain it. You know, I don't know if it's like some kind of strange survival mechanism. Um, you know, I know I don't want to like say like, oh, plants communicate and they talk and they know what's going on. I, I'm not one of those, but there was some, there was some type of phenomenon. Don't know what it is, nothing else. And you know, any other time I did multiples in the room, never happened. Singles happened. I don't know. Uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it uh, for anybody. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I can't explain why. Uh, so anyway, um, when so Scooby was really interesting. So when Scooby first happened, um, I I kept two flowered I flowered out two two plants, two different seeds, and one of them was stable Scooby, one of them was not so stable Scrappy. Scrappy went to one crew, Scooby went to one of my co-workers. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, my coworker passed away. And when that happened, um, some of us who worked, we all worked together. We went over to his place and kind of took down his garden room because I don't know that his you know, family really was aware of that was going on. Uh, so when I got there, you know, there are the Scooby plants. There were two of them in the room, uh, vegging. 
and I cut maybe a dozen cuts off the plant, put them in a Ziploc, put it up in his fridge, went back down and shredded everything else. Um, Cause at that point, only he and I had really seen the, seen the flower from those plants. And I knew it was really, it was, it was, you know, just fascinating. It was just a, one of the most explosive flavors at that point in my life I'd ever experienced. And um, I actually brought those cuts home, handed them off to Pat from Heroes of the Farm. I didn't have room to grow these out at the point. You know, I'm, a, I'm a small person, a uh, small scenario. And um, he took them, put them in his fridge and re remembered them almost two weeks later. Like, oh shit. <laughs> Part of my French, but I forgot these in the fridge, and a couple of them were still viable. So it's kind of this thing that went through this very tragic thing with my buddy, then almost died and never happened, and miraculously, you know, two plants survived. Um, and I actually let Heroes run with it for like six years, um, not giving it out to anybody else. Now it definitely leaked out uh, through their farm. Uh, you know, that was a one of those fractured partnership scenarios and jealous folks and whatever people steal things. Um, but that's one that we really were able to keep tight and it was intentional after seeing what happened with dog Walker and realizing almost, you know, how much more special this plant was um, as far as, you know, elevating what had, what had just happened. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, it stayed in their stable for a while. He did a lot of breeding with it. Um, and a lot of their genetics are kind of based on that foundation. Um, and it became, you know, and that's how I know it's great breeding stock, <laughs> but it's also one of those varieties that I have a hard time finding things that necessarily improve upon it. You know, some things are just really good the way they are, you know, sure. and it's, and so it's one of the reasons why I haven't necessarily tried to do anything else with it. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know what the right word is, but I, I'm, I'm satisfied with the way that one turns out, really satisfied. Um, so yeah, that, that plant um, that almost wasn't uh, became, you know, almost a little bit more mystical and, uh, and elusive than the dog walker. Uh, you know, whereas the dog walker had at that point totally kind of gotten out. Um, so I had a lot of imposters, as you know. Um, you know, the Scooby definitely was held pretty tight and that, you know, drove a lot of people crazy, I think. And it was really easy for me because people were like, oh, can I get a cut? I'm like, oh, I don't have it. You know, <laughs> like six years, I don't have it. I, I can't get it. To you. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm like this hoarder of genetics. I don't want anything out and I got to keep everything to myself. I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like that. Um, but there are certain things that, you know, for me and my genetics, what was so very important to me in the beginning and this is like why I started with the circle of eight dog walkers. I wanted it represented well. You know, I wanted good growers growing it. Uh, I wanted the market to see a great example of it. You know, not somebody's trial run. Um, so yeah, you know, to me that that you know the representation and you know who's putting it out there was 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 pretty is, and it still is very important. You know, the few groups that I've released it to over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I'm not releasing it just to folks who want to give it a try. They're folks that I believe can, you know, do a good job and represent it well. 
at the end of the that's, day, it's kind of what's happening. It, that, that's truly special, Rich. You can actually see that you're satisfied with the way that something turned out. And you know that that's, that's it, right? Yeah. Like that's some things you just shouldn't mess with. And that's, that sounds like it's a unique story and it certainly yeah. proved itself. I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely my sentiment about that, you know, you know, and that kind of set my new benchmark, which has been really hard to get past, you know, uh, that variety, um, you know, it was interesting not growing it for six years and then getting it back and cultivating it. And now I'm like, I'm, God, I can't believe I gave that up for six years. <laughs> you know, um, But, you know, for me, I knew it was in a good place. I know it was with good people and I knew it was with a group that was, you know, would represent it well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's one that's really like, you know, I'm satisfied with that. And I don't know that I would try to do too much breeding with it. Um, I, you know, there's, for what it is and how it grows and, you know, the, the, the flavor, I mean, the, the flavor package on that is, you know, almost for me, almost tenfold, even over dog walker. Uh, there's just so much more going on in that one. Um, that, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't, it'd be hard to improve upon that. Is that one that you've put through tissue culture? Uh, well, <laughs> it got picked up this weekend, so. That's amazing. It's heading your Very way. Cool. <laughs> yes. That's so that fantastic. one is, um, yeah, that one is coming into the fold. So, uh, you know, what do we got? Three, four months. Wow. Um, mind blown. This is news to me. So that's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm really yeah. stoked to hear that. Yeah. Wow. So that is, that is happening. And, you know, uh, I'm going to put this out there. Um, you know, especially folks who might be interested uh, up here, you know, definitely not a good full sun plant, even Southern Oregon, NorCal has a hard time with it. Southern California probably be okay. Doesn't handle the, the cold and wet too well. Uh, but your, you know, greenhouse, um, indoor cultivators, she's a champion. She doesn't stretch at all. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, when I go back to like these, remember I said the outliers and Scooby was kind of this outlier. Sure. Because, you know, you look at forum, stretch plant, purple, small flower, you know, um, dog walker, stretchy plant, green, um, medium-sized flowers. Some can get fairly big, but fairly, kind of medium. Um, <clears throat> and this plant, no stretch whatsoever. Um, kind of right around the same kind of size of stacking flower of dog walker, but can actually get a little bigger. Right. Um, and then the purple isn't in the big fans anymore. There's little hues of it throughout the flower. Um, and sometimes I don't see purple at all. You know, it just depends on the temps, really, with right. that one. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, and then the flavor is so far from either of the parents um, that, you know, that was the remarkable thing for me. You know, because uh, we've looked at other expressions from that cross. Uh, I've seen several now. And, you know, so many of them are more like cookie dominant and kind of, you know, that's what it is. Um, but this one in particular, you know, uh, we've got this and it's not a slow vegger as a squat plant, which is also very interesting. A lot of times I find these really squat plants are very slow to veg and, you know, I mm -hmm. got to run them two weeks ahead of, you know, everything else. Uh, but, you know, Scooby keeps right up with everything else. Uh, and yeah, I've, you know, I've been really stoked on that one. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely starting to kind of make its rounds as far as 
you know, people picking up on it and, you know, more people, you know, like I said, I've done a couple releases here recently. Um, but yeah, and then there, you know, there's all the whole confusion with the archive thing, but you know, once it's cut, yeah, there's a C. There you go. Mm -hmm. So the takeaway on the Scooby, full term, maybe not the most easy to grow out there, right. but indoor, awesome, right? Yeah. I think that's that's what we're seeing a lot of demand for is a plant that's going to do well in a double stacked LED yeah. um, situation, right? We we mm -hmm. had a, a we had the sour gelato by Compound on um, mm -hmm. our previous menu, and that's exactly what she was. She was a squat plant, performed absolutely stunning inside of those double LED racks. So. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's exciting to hear because that's, that's truly what we're getting asked for is, you know, eight to nine weekers, mm -hmm. give me some color, give me some potency, give me some flavor and yep. short. Okay. okay. And, and, you know, and that's another one, um, you know, the Scooby five, six percent terpenes, you know, every time, you know, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience too, you know, uh, you know, and that's another one that will, you know, for those who are concerned about cannabinoid content as well. It's another one, high 20s, low 30s, you know, no problem. So, you know, once again, we have this super rich cannabinoid and terpene profile entourage really working on that one. That's exciting, Rich. I'm, I'm stoked. Can't wait to see that yeah. one. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to ask this one question about something that was super cool that, uh, that I noticed on your Instagram page, mm -hmm. the Nike SB dog walker shoes. Yeah. Tell me about those. I know you got those around here somewhere. Yeah, I do. Um, so yeah, it's really weird. You know, <clears throat> about a month before the release, someone sent me on Instagram a screenshot from like a sneaker page, right? And they're like, hey, do you know about this? And when I looked at it, I was like, uh, Nike dog walker, I don't know. And then I saw the release date was 420. And I was like, oh, that's kind of peculiar. And then I start thinking in my head, well, if they're talking about dog walkers, like people who walk dogs, like wouldn't they just call them dog walkers? But for some reason they're called dog walker, right? And um, at the time I had a coworker who was a sneakerhead, right? And he looked up the code and he's like, oh my God, this is going to be super limited. He's like, let me do a, little, do a little research and find out where the shoes are dropping. Right. So he explains to me, they're quick strike Nike. They're only going to make a thousand pairs worldwide. I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. And he's like, you know, they're, he says, um, you know, they're getting dropped on 420. And I was actually heading down to see a concert in the Bay area uh, for 420 that year. And um He's like, hey, you know, it uh, looks like Deluxe Skate is going to be dropping the shoe. I was like, oh, interesting. He's like, and he, he, this kid did it all for me. I was so grateful for him. He called down at Deluxe, talked to the owner, says, hey, I got the guy who bred, you know, Dog Walker. He's going to be in San Francisco. Would you like him to stop by the store? He's like, oh, yeah, send him by. Right. So, and I don't really understand sneaker culture at this point of my life. I, I'm a little more versed in it now, but not an expert by any means. There's but, you know, they explain, like, oh, we're going to do this. What's that? I had to say that there's a huge correlation between the sneakerheads and the cannabis community that I'm seeing so many syncrasies with. Yes. Big time. Yes. Yes. And I'm, and, and I've, I've, I've come to learn this, you know, uh, it was going to be this like lottery thing, right. Where your kids would come in the day before, buy something, you get a lottery ticket and that gets them a place and a lottery ticket in line. Uh, but they're only getting seven pairs of shoes for this, in, for the store. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the store opens, I believe, at 11. So um, I'm staying up at a buddy's place on the other side of the, of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I take an Uber down into the city. And I get there at like 11.04. And there's nobody there. 
there's nobody out front, you know, the store's open, but this, and I walk up and I, you know, meet the owner, the, the Matt, super nice guy. And I'm like, Hey, I'm rich. He's like, Oh, he's like, nice to meet you. I'm like, man, uh, I'm sorry. I came late. He's like, dude, it happens in like 60 seconds. You know, like the <laughs> shoes are money, boom, gone out, gone. Everybody's gone. You know, once the lottery numbers are called, it's over. I was like, wow. I was like, well, I'm, I'm bummed I didn't show up. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. He's like, I just made some money. It's cool. Um, and, you know, I was like, he, you know, kind of brought him some flour and handed it with him, you know, him and the staff to share or whatever. Um, but I didn't get any pairs of shoes. And that's fine. Um, fortunately, I have a friend up here in Oregon uh, who was, uh, he used to skate for SB and he was able to at least get one pair on lockdown. Now, here's where the story kind of gets interesting. So while I'm in the Bay Area, I get a call from a guy who happens to be the designer of the shoe. And he's like, hey, I see you down in the Bay Area. I was like, yeah, I'm over at Deluxe Skate. He's like, oh, I'm at this other skate shop. Uh, he's like, hey, I'd like to get a pair of shoes to you. I'm the guy who designed the shoe. I was like, wow, that's really cool. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and my, my buddy had told me, uh, the sneaker head that my coworker, he's like, oh, you should see if they'll get you, you know, laser and, you know, laser edge, your, your shoes. Can personalize and like sure cool so they did this like um i don't know it's hard to see kind of on camera but you can see the eye there right one shoe says i the other shoe says one right so we got you know personalized dog walker from nike sb pretty dope shoe it took me a yeah. while to get up the uh, nerve to put them on and wear them but i wore them <laughs> at uh fish new year's uh in 2019 so i think that's the last time i wore those uh but anyway uh it was, you know, it was very humbling experience because once I finally met the shoe designer, this guy is basically responsible for most of the pop culture shoe projects that Nike does internationally. That's wow. he's got probably one of the greatest gigs at Nike I could think of because uh, he gets to just interact with all these interesting and different oh, people yeah. from, you know, different industries. And um, so, you know, the first thing I ask him is, you know, A, is it a nod? To, to he's like oh absolutely he's like it's like my favorite yeah it's like one of my favorites and i said how did this even you know come about and he's so the way, way it turns out is a guy that i had gifted the clone to maybe i didn't get it maybe got through a mutual friend probably i don't know six or seven years ago on his very first run of it this guy was at his house to sample it for the first time and that sampling was such a profound experience for him that it became his favorite. And, you know, he's the one that's been responsible for doing these 420 releases for Nike. And he's like, he's like, I just felt like it was your turn. So, you know, I got a shoe. I didn't get a shoe deal. Shoe deal would have been great. Uh, <laughs> that'd have been a lot more lucrative. Uh, but, you know, having that nod is, yeah, I mean, it's humbling. Um, it's, it's, a. Uh, it was really, um, cool to hear the story of how it came to be you know he said the the they do these like pitch sessions when they're designing shoes of like what should be on the shoe and he's like dude the pitch sessions for that shoe were just ridiculous you know <laughs> there's, some, there's some really cool little features you know like it's got like the poop stain on the heel and every one of the poop stains are different supposedly uh you know you know the the leash material for the swoosh the different dog, you know, the golden, the black lab right there. I don't even see that. Yeah. You know, chocolate on the back. Um, you know, they've got the SB emblem is actually a little turd pile. A little turd. There it is. Yeah. You know, it came with a poop bag with an extra pair of laces. Uh, you know, dog tag on the back, back says Sparky. 
And so all these little things that, you know, are clues and nods. And uh, the bottom of that shoe, the color is actually what they consider their smoke color for a shoe bottom. So there you go. You know, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And the other feature, I, I should not, I should not skip this at all. He claims, so I don't know if you can see this, but underneath the tongue, there's a pocket. Oh, the stack exactly pocket. seven grams. That's what he told wow. me. Wow. <laughs> that is the so, coolest shoe. Yeah, for sure. so, yeah, I'm trying to get I mean, my hands on some. Those, those uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I am, you know, I mean, like I said, like it's, it's probably one of the cooler things that's happened here. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice little nod. You know, to something that, you know, and it is, it, it really, that variety here, at least in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, it, it was a staple for a long time. I'm not going to say it's a staple now, but it is still relevant. You know, people still want it. Uh, people still enjoy it. And that's kind of, you know, my whole motivation, you know, is that I can drop some things on this planet that people will enjoy for a long time. Um, and that's, you know, if there's ever a mission statement, you know, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, the folks will enjoy these, you know, productions as much as I have. And uh, yeah, so far, so good, I think. Oh. Definitely. Oh, yeah. No, that, but, that's but always uh, working to improve. Right. Okay. So what, what's on the, what's on the horizon? Any specific project that you're, that you're really stoked about that you're working on, or maybe something that you'd like to work with? Well, you know, so I spent, I've spent actually the last 18 months not really doing any breeding, but actually cracking seed, uh, doing more searching than breeding. And, you know, I don't have the capacity to do 200 plant pheno hunts or anything crazy like that. You know, I'm, I can crack 20 or so at a time, but generally I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to find some good stuff in smaller runs like that. Uh, so I've been going through a lot of the, you know, a lot of seed. And, you know, the, that one G-Wade cross has come out of that and that's gotten into a commercial group or two. Um, most recently, I just posted the first picture of the Snooky, which is just a forum S1, but has this very, it's interesting. I always wondered where the um, kind of sour citrus notes and Scooby came from. Mm. And evidently that's buried somewhere in forum, forum cut because mm. that S1 definitely has it. Uh, so it's very interesting to see that kind of connection made um, between, you know, parent progeny and parent and progeny, really. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a fascinating. So the Snooki is one that I'm, I'm kind of stoked on. And, you know, really, it's just been this kind of mission kind of it's, I've built up so much so much seed that I just I need I need to clear some of it out. You know, my, my partners, you know, I've, I've taken up way too much. I've taken over the, the entire bottom drawer of the fridge and that's probably <laughs> too much. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's some plans. Uh, there is some pollen stored. Uh, I ran some mails uh, a couple years ago outside um, and have stored and kind of banked pollen. I know, you know, it doesn't last forever, but I still find it can be viable if it's kept right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 some pollen that I want to play around with, but there's no real. It's it's interesting, you know, like unless I have like I'm not just like a haphazard breeder. There has to be like a purpose, an intention, a goal, um, and I haven't really come up with one recently that's been super motivating. Um, so you know, right now it's looking through the existing inventory 
and seeing, you know, what, what potential we can find there. And so far, you know, it's been a pretty cool run doing that. Um, you know, that, that Matanuska Mist uh, proof cross, you know, that uh, the, the great, uh, yeah, that just came out, you know, that's, that's one that even though I know it's probably not going to have any place in the current market, you know, in the current world of cannabis, in my own, you know, in my own home, it, it, it serves a great purpose. And, uh, you know, I'm going to work with that one a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you know, nothing, nothing specifically uh, right now, which is kind of a weird thing for me to say, but, um, you know, I think I've kind of, I don't know, I've been enjoying the hunt a little bit more these days than I have the, the creation. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a grower first and it's really hard. It's impossible to grow and breed at the same time. Don't let anybody are you think. What's are, that? <laughs> are you still growing under us? Uh, uh, HPS or have you converted LED? Uh, no, I'm actually under LED right now. You know, I made a conversion a long time ago from HPS to ceramic metal halide. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely was a, and, and still am a huge believer in CMH. Um, but uh, I was gifted some fixtures um, a couple years ago um, from a certain LED company, uh, STEC LED, and I've been running their lights now for a couple years, and I really enjoy the results that I get. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a salt grower. I grow with BioBiz and some other organic inputs. Um, so, you know, crop steering is a little tricky, <laughs> so I don't really attempt that as much, but I get really, really good results. Um, with the current setup and I'm really, really happy with it. You know, the LED thing, I never, you know, I, some people know this, some people don't, but I've been, you know, on the retail side of the equipment side of this industry since 2001. Hmm. Um, so I was around for the first LED fixtures that were really a joke. Um, I was, you know, we were one of Fluent, we were Fluence's first channel partner in the Northwest. So I got turned on to Fluence's, you know, back when they were uh, BML, uh, build my LED, you know, back in those days, you know, I got turned on to their science and their R&D uh, very early on, uh, which was, uh, uh, now that I look back, was a really fortunate place to be, uh, you know, 2015, you know. Um, so the evolution of LED has been fast <laughs> in our industry. Um, you know, we've gone from lights that were great for maybe cloning under to now we've, you know, we've got technologies out there that are certainly keeping up with the pace of HID, you know, um, and the results, the results are there, you know, the densities are there, the structure is there, the color is so much better under LED, just the color, you know, the plant health, uh, because we can actually control, you know, that, that uh, flow of photons, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we can and really the spectrum adjustment too. Yeah. You know, and, and the spectral adjustments certainly, you know, make a difference, um, at different phases throughout the crop cycle. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's fascinating to me where that, that technology has, where it's gotten in just a short amount of time. And we think about other technologies and how long it takes things to really develop. Uh, this right. has been on a fast track, but for a good reason, uh, you know, it has to keep up with the pace of this industry, which is also grown exponentially over the last you know, six, 15, six, 10, 10, six years now. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I, I've been, I've been very satisfied. You know, of course you have to learn the, I'm, I'm, I'm introducing heat and humidity and things that, you know, 
counterintuitive to everyone, you know, growing under HID where we're mm -hmm. dehumidifying and taking the heat out. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of the opposite of that, uh, which is kind of weird. And it's hard to, you know, convince people, right. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're first talking about it, uh, you know, especially for my customers. Um, but, you know, what you've got now is you've got enough groups running LED around the country, you know, to where there's enough at least visual evidence and, you know, social media and places like that. Uh, so where you can see it, it, it's working and it's working quite well. Yeah, um, we've, we've seen a sign. It, it's really hard to argue. And we, the way our nursery is set up right now, half the room is LED. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Cybus Biotech. Thank you guys. And the other half is still um, double ended. Right. So we, we've seen a significant increase in not only just the amount of cuts that we're getting on our LED side, but the overall morphology of the plant. We're getting we're getting side cuts and bottom cuts that look like tops. The light penetration and just the overall health of the plant as well is just astounding. And that double-ended plant is, I mean, that double-ended fixture is really bombarding that plant with a lot of unusable photons, you know, and that rejection, there's a process, you know, yeah. uh, radiant heat off the canopy is one of them, Sure. right? So it has to do something with it, you know, because mm -hmm. it can't deflect it. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a, um, there's, there's definitely a health benefit when they're, when they're tuned right to running LED over any other you know, lighting technology that I'm aware of, minus maybe the sun. And then um, you start yeah. talking about- What's that? And then you start to interrupt. And, and then you start seeing what the capability of one of these LED lights is gonna be able to do when it starts implementing sensors and understanding how to adjust. Basically, you know, you set it for crop steering designation and it's going to adjust based on when the stomata of that plant's opening like, holy, yeah. holy shit like these lights can integrate with crops like it's it, it's it's going to be able to help the commercial market create that reconsistency of of making that experience or that cultivar um, repeatable yeah the the you know we we've you know a lot of that technology is certainly data driven mm -hmm. um what i'm more concerned about than anything is like the dog walker phenomenon mm -hmm. You know, how does it know that particular varietal and what its real thresholds are? Is there a law of averages that are applied here? Can we actually customize it for each, you know, varietal? That would be great, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's the automation side of this industry and the, you know, the, the companies that are providing backend analytic support to help with these crop steering endeavors. Um, it, it's, you know, the Voya systems and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what's happening now. And you're right. It's what the commercial side of this industry really needs to help it move forward uh, at a practical rate. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the days of hodgepodging commercial setup together are, are, should be long gone by now. Right. Um, of course, you know, emerging states will have their, you know, couple years of fun anyway, but, you know, it's, um, it's really remarkable what's happened uh, to this industry as far as that's concerned. And it, it really amazes me uh, going into some of these large commercial facilities here in Oregon, uh, the amount of technology that's implemented for a good reason, you know, it's not just bells and whistles. Um, it's been being utilized and it's being utilized to better, you know, the, the efficient, generally the efficiencies of the facility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's one of those key elements of 
you know, reduction of carbon footprint when you are operating at that scale. And part of that has to do with the lighting, right? A major part of that because less heat, less HVAC, all of these things play, play a factor as we progress as an industry and how do we really ensure, um, you know, that we are optimizing and reduction in our, you know, social responsibility too. Um, but going back to what you mentioned about, could these lights be dialed in per cultivar? We're about to find out, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the fun part about being in the nursery seat is we get to, we get, we get to be like the guinea pig of understanding yeah. how can we actually dial in specific cultivars mm-hmm. and, and understand at what point or how can we steer them to then pass along that data to our cultivation partners? Here's what she likes. Here's how to replicate this cycle. And that's what we're striving for is the repeatable experience of a cultivar. And that all starts A, with the healthy mother stock, but then you also have to understand the feed and the light sensitivities or, or lack thereof. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, if there's ever a way to run a nursery, that's how it should be run. Um, you know, because if you look at ag, and how cultivars are sold in ag, I mean, that's how they're sold, right? Right. It's not like, here, here's some seeds, good luck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here's, here's 100,000, you know, tissue, culture starts a potato, you know, russet potato, have at it, you know, it, it's not done that. So that, that type of um, backing behind the product is great, you know, and, and, and that desire to create that repeatable experience, you know, even though we're dealing with a plant and that can be a little tricky, you know, there's lots of mitigating factors that go into all of this, as you know, Um, but still to even to get within the ballpark of that is remarkable. And I think, you know, there's, there's no better way, uh, you know, to, 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 to sell, you know, to run a nursery like that. I mean, that's just, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, You know, back when, you know, there's certain seed, a couple seed makers out there that would put, you know, sensitivities, resistances, um, you know, nutrient thresholds, things like that on the package, you know, that was always great information to have. I don't know how much validity there was to it, especially, you know, 20 years ago, uh, but just having that attempt and, you know, on, you know, that on there, you know, from their, from their observations of growing it uh, was always really helpful. So yeah, that's, uh, and, and, you know, today we have so much more information that we can pack into that. Um, that's really cool, you know. So yeah, I I hope someday they are able to do stuff, you know, to actually customize the, you know, each one of those lights or those light grids for that specific mm-hmm. varietal, you know, knowing that this one has a little bit more need for mag and a little, can handle this much more, you know, PPFD, whatever, um, you know, that that that'll be a good day, uh, and that'll take a lot more guesswork because you know there's so you know again there's so much guesswork to this. <laughs> definitely yeah a lot of a lot of trial and error but uh yep. you know we're working towards it and that's the cool yep. thing about having a lot of um a lot of creative companies that want to help the initiative of getting us there and right. you know there's there's a lot of great data points and and you know strategies and really smart people that are helping us get there too mm-hmm. so it's exciting and and i think you just touched on something that i wanted to ask um regarding mm-hmm. just you know naming convention of, of cultivars out there mm-hmm. you know i know that a lot of people rename cultivars which you know, some people hate it, some people love it, but renaming with providing lineage information along the way. How do you feel about that? Or what is your, what's your take on renaming? Something? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I've had some close friends who are the victims of having their stuff renamed. Um, you know, here's the thing. 
if there was a conversation between the renamer and the person who, you know, to me, there's, I'm from, a, I'm, I'm, I'm from an older, you know, kind of mentality of, of respect in this industry. You know, if I'm going to breed with somebody else's stuff, even if I'm just breed with it, I'm going to reach out to them and just say, this is what I'm got, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You're good with it. Great. You know, no one's ever said no. Um, but a nod to the, or a conversation and say, you know, Hey, I've, you know, I've, if it's from a seed run, if you buy a pack of seeds, start this way. If I buy a pack of seeds and I find a really good cut out of it, I'm probably not going to rename it. Um, if the seeds has a name, if I buy a pack of seeds, that's NL five times NL one. And I find a great cut out of that. That might get a name, but if it's, you know, Slurricane and Dosido, -do, you know, I buy those seeds, you know, maybe that cut gets a name, but the parent the lineage has got to be a part of that. And really, you know, the, the, the breeder should be a part of that conversation too, in my opinion. Um, I respect that. You know, yeah. if you crack a seed that somebody else created and you want to release it into the universe, there should be some kind of nod there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and, and that's just, that's just the mentality that I was in this industry that I was certainly brought up on, uh, give credit where credit's due, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause there were many, many years of us operating where we couldn't get any credit for anything. We didn't want the credit, <laughs> you know, when we were, when it was all smoke and mirrors. Um, but now that this is a legitimate and maturing industry, you know, because if you're going to rename the cut, you're probably going to profit off it, I'm guessing. You know, so, if, you know, at least a nod, at least a mm -hmm. conversation. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, the outright just kind of renaming. I mean, I've even seen, you know, actual just cuts renamed, mm -hmm. you know, and when that happens, that's, you know, I can't tell you how many people thought they bought Dog Walker. <laughs> but ended up with deadhead OG or OG 18 or something completely different. You know, the, the first time I, I'd never even thought about selling cuts of that variety till this guy came into my shop one day and was like, oh, I just, you know, I just scored the dog walker, paid three G's for it. Like, Whoa. One cut. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, wow. I was like, who was it? He's like, oh, this dude. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, I don't know if that dude really had it, but he's like, ah, oh, it's, he told me it's legit cut. I was like, cool. I was like, I'll tell you what, when you finish, come back and let's check it out together. And, you know, like three months later, it comes back and I can tell by the way he's walking up, you know, he's just like shaking his head. He's like, I don't think this is it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, I was like, where's your guy? You know, he's like, oh, he, you know, he left town the next day. I was like, ah, aha. I was like, I'll make you, you know, I was like, I'll make a deal. You know, well, I'll do two cuts for X amount. You know, you'll get it from me. You know, it's legit. <laughs> right. Um, and that was, I don't know, that was maybe, oh my God, I've been in probably 2013, maybe mm -hmm. 14. And, you know, and still to this day, there are those who seek it out and want this, don't want to potentially run into any BS. And, you know, they'll come to me directly and you know if, if i if it's a worthy group and you know i think that they're you know doing a good job and they're you know, stewards to the industry then you know we'll work something out but yeah you know the the renaming thing 
the renaming of a cut is to me is a little much. Mm. Um, you know, I struggled with uh, one group who wanted wanted to call one of my varieties one thing, and I you know I just had to say no. <laughs> like, sure. oh, we wanted it fits our brand better. I don't care. It's not what it is. You know, yeah. it's my brand. <laughs> You know, you're buying my and selling my brand. I'm not going to switch my brand up to fit your need uh, because there's like a hundred other folks out there that don't want it switched. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, um, I don't know. I, I appreciate you getting in context with that. And yeah. that's again, why we, we love what we're doing and being able to be the next generation of cannabis paying homage. Sure. Because this is where we want to make sure that the, the curator's cut is mm -hmm. an avenue to give, you know, to give back and really highlight you guys that have put all this work into it. And, and really just, we're grateful. I mean, the curator's cut is, is really just a thank you. And, mm -hmm. and really being a part of this whole process is just special. Cause I remember when I called you last year, mm -hmm. Hey Rich, uh, Hey, not sure if you're going to, you know, even respond to this, but we have the dog walker and, and, you know, I think our initial conversation was, well, if this was a few years back, I don't think we, I, my response would be totally different kind of a thing. But, yeah. you know, like the whole perception of the industry was maturing and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were still super young in the, in the industry last year, which we're only super young. We've only been open since January <laughs> of 2020 in Prop 64 space. So yep. let's be real. I mean, who the hell is this guy calling me saying, yeah, I want to run the dog walker and claim it as, as the dog walker. Well, as we started progressing down and understanding like, well, this is the, you know, this is how it was gifted to us through Kevin and everything. Um, and now it's, it went through node labs process. Mm -hmm it's, it's cool, right? Now we have this platform and, mm -hmm. and just being able to be here on this, on this time right now on the zoom in the middle of quarantine in 2021, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about this and, and, and we're really just being able to showcase. And really, I wanted the community to hear it from, from you and just, you know, this is how the dog walker and potentially the Scooby snacks is going to be coming in the future here. Um, that's special, man. Like we really yeah. want to make sure that, you know, it's not just another, uh, another gelato hit in the market, or it's not just something that is just, I don't want to say commercially diluted because that's not paying justice to everything else. Cause there's a lot of great work out there, mm -hmm. but this is one of those cultivars that it just had, it's almost got a cult classic following to it, you know, oh, yeah. and we're super proud to, to be, to be hosting and be the custodian of your genetics. So I, I, I thank you. Oh, well, and you're extremely welcome. I, I applaud what you're doing here um, with this portion of your business. You know, the, the, there's there's so you know sometimes so little thought given to the origins of something you know how it became to be um, especially something that has staying power to me that's real important for a genetic you know it's gonna have staying power um someday i hope you guys get to see the biz because that's the sister and that one's even more insane and yields more and flip on the flavor profile we'll get into that some other time um but yeah you know i i i really appreciate you know your guys's perspective here uh and giving that nod uh because like i said not, not not a lot of people do and um you know having that as part of a lane within your business um you know makes me feel pretty good about who i'm interacting with um and yeah, you know, I, I, you know, so I thank you guys for what you're doing here. I think this is a great program, and I think in years to come, um, you know, you know, someday, you know, maybe the gelato isn't relevant anymore. You know, um, maybe it is, but 
you know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that this one's here to stick around for a while. Um, and I think, you know, if the Scooby happens and you guys get your hands on that, that's another one um, that, you know, it's, uh, it's different, <laughs> you know, and it's unique. And that's, that's, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, what I've always shot for. Uh, and, and I'm hoping, you know, like I said, once again, that uniqueness, I hope translates into an pleasurable and enjoyable experience for the end user. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, that's 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 who we're trying to help the most. Well, when you're dropping five, six percent terpene profile results, I mean, that's a flavorful experience, and, yeah. and that's what we're promoting, right? Like we want the we want the entourage effect to be an enjoyable experience, and that comes through flavor profiles. And you know, let's 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 put the THC potency number behind second tier, hopefully, yeah. So that yeah. when people are going yeah. in and making a, an educated decision on what they want to consume, sure. right? Let's start looking at terps. Let's make that a, I, I don't want to say let's make it a requirement to put it on all the packaging because that's a lot of costs. And I don't want to be um, saying that, that that business impact could be right. a potential challenge, but um, there's a big but. We want to emphasize that there's so many phenomenal cultivars that are just getting overlooked because it doesn't check that 20% oh. box. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm, I am, uh, yes, you're, you're at the, the so a couple of things, you know, that information should always be available through the dispensary or through the outlet or through the company that's providing the flower. I believe that you're right. You can't be on every package because that gets way too expensive, right? It's a lot of lines to print out. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, I got turned on to Russo's paper about six months after it was published. Um, so it's been a while, you know, mm -hmm. I've been preaching this for a long, long time. Um, the, the whole entourage concept. Uh, I've gotten a couple people, you know, early on really excited about that, uh, who are now you know, making splashes in the industry themselves. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it will be interesting to me to see if we can ever push past the cannabinoid barrier when it comes to marketing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it Sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, new and emerging states maybe give us a little hope for that. But for some reason that, the, the, you know, that hype from the, from the West Coast mainly, you know, that number that's, you know, driving, you know, driving the industry, um, you know, finds its, finds its way in, in, in just about every new emerging market too. Uh, so we really have to kind of shift the way people, you know, look and approach cannabis at that dispensary level, you know, and having dispensary folk who are, you know, more educated and can explain to a customer, just have to have customers who are, you know, willing and wanting to hear that kind of information. Uh, so, you know, some, you know, the campaign, and, and there've been multiple campaigns launched in different states to try to switch this, you know, uh, there's more than just one number, right? Uh, but none of them have really gained a lot of steam and the market kind of keeps bouncing it back. You know, uh, and it's, it's, it's so sad too, to see something that clocks in at 18% that just nobody wants to pick up because it clocks in at 18%, but it has this beautiful terpene package, right? And this whole experience for the, for the end user, uh, you know, how many dispensary, I have friends that work in them, friends that own them, you know, people come in and all they look at is for the number. You know, and then they just want to ask questions about the, those that match that number. Oh, what's this one like? What's, oh, they're all these 28, 29, 31, 32s. Um, so yeah, so, you know, a big, a, a big part of, you know, the, this, this 
beautiful plant uh, is kind of getting uh, and has been overlooked for years because of that. Um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons too that I find some of these older seeds that I've cracked, you know, which I know aren't 30% plants, not even close. Um, but they still, you know, have this you know, kind of these new old flavors for me that aren't necessarily present in today's marketplace uh, heavily uh, that, you know, for the, for the experience, I just, I enjoy it, you know, doesn't necessarily put me to sleep, but I enjoy the flavor over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I hope someday that there can be a, a greater consensus throughout the industry focusing on that, you know, the importance of the, of those terpene, you know, levels, but uh, not quite there yet, I'm afraid. Yeah, and, and fr from a nursery perspective, I want to be able to pump out those numbers. So that is that is a promise that we are making forward, are awesome. providing terpene results from any of the genetics or cultivars that we're putting out in the market. At least we know what we're building off of, right? Here's a, here's a potential that you can really build your base off of. And what sure. we've seen is, yeah, here, here's the R&D tests, but mm -hmm. what is coming back to us from a lot of these phenomenal cultivation partners is just it's astronomical. It's like, it's like night and day. Holy shit. I didn't realize that the genetic potential was so high. Right. And that's, that's, that's the fun part about being in this seat right now is just seeing all the different variations of a specific yeah. genetic. And you, it's, it's special. You, I'm sure you get incredible feedback that way. Um, you know, cause everything they're producing is going through testing, you know, those results, those numbers are coming in that gives you a significant amount of data points to set up and kind of really help to evaluate those varieties too. keep an eye on things for epigenetic drift that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, now we start uh, to talk about, you know, specific cultivars you can really lean into from a breeding perspective mm -hmm. as we work towards hoplite and viroid resistance. Yep. Right? And I know that is something that we are, I'm constantly trying to figure out which cultivars are potentially having this level of resistance. And I, I don't know if that's even a thing. Well, I mean, mentioned. is it a level of resistance or is it just ace being asymptomatic? Right. What's the percentage of viral load that- right. What's the load in the plant? Genetic. And that's what really makes, right? That's what makes the difference. I mean, that's why, you know, one plant, you can have just one local branch that expresses, right? Because that's how small the viral load was introduced into that plant, perhaps at that time of infection. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Sure does. Right? Um, you know, and then we've seen the whole plants collapse too, but all these, you know, in the very early days, uh, when this was first happening, you know, uh, one branch here, two branches there, you know, it was localized within the plant. Uh, it was almost, you know, you're looking at it, it's like, oh, is this like a verticillium thing or something like that, you know? Um, and, and, and it threw a lot of people off because, you know, these two plants were great, but that one was fine. And that one was fine, but these are touching all of them. So it couldn't be like the plants touching each other. You know, I'm going back, you know, seven, eight years now. And when this, we first started seeing this, you know, this, we were definitely, you know, we all referred to it as the dudding back then. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that, that, um, that, that pathogen definitely wrecked, it ran its, it ran its course and wrecked a lot of this industry uh, over and over again with some groups, um, you know, but I think, I think too, it, it, it helped it mature to expect something that was always unexpected, right? Uh, the rest of ag deals with viruses all the time and how to prevent them and breeding, you know, breeding again, resistance to the virus and you know, so forth and so on. Uh, that's all been done by them for years. Uh, this industry wasn't really ever looking or focusing or even aware of that. 
some people were but very, very small number. Uh, so, you know, what it's done is it's, it's, it's made the industry better. It's, mm -hmm. it's taught us about, you know, uh, you know, having, you know, biohazard prevention and, you know, learning how to actually create clean space and, uh, you know, better practices when it comes to maintaining and manicuring, you know, the plants on the veg size. Uh, you know, it's out of some, you know, some groups, it's taught them how to spot the, the virus in a clone. Mm -hmm. You know, they've seen it so many times and they're knowing what to look for. So, you know, there was a definitely this huge long learning curve with that. But once, you know, people started to put some definition to it of what was really going on, then there was this wonderful opportunity for people to learn and ed get educated about it. And that, I think, you know, that just broadened the senses yeah. of cultivators in this industry. And that's a good thing. It's, it's a great thing. Needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to talk freely about this as an industry, as a community, because it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, there's hits in Europe already. So um, Joe Ramahi put out a wonderful post this morning on Instagram discussing, um, you know, a, a CT result on an hop latent test coming back at like cycle 34. CT for you guys listening that um, it's, it's the cycle threshold, right? So if you put something through testing um, and you're looking for hoplate and viroid, it can be totally clean after 10 cycles, 20 cycles, 30 cycles. But on that 34th cycle, you got a little bit of a blip. Uh-oh. And Rich, this is what you're talking about. So to be clear, it was, we're not looking for breeding resistance to it. We're breeding which has the lowest viral load, essentially in that specific cultivar genetic. Right. And it's, and, and, and that's the thing is I, you know, at this point, you know, I'm unaware of the capacity to breed against it, but can you select varietals that are more asymptomatic than not? And I think the answer there is yes, but that also brings about, you know, that asymptomatic plant that now exists in your space becomes an anomaly in your space. You know, that one cultivar perhaps, Mm -hmm. um, is it worth at the, you know, is it worth cultivating that at the risk of everything else? You know, unless all of your operating procedures and standards and practices are set up to remediate and to avoid infection, mm -hmm. uh, or the potential of infection, uh, you know, it's, that's a very dangerous path to walk. Um, because you know it doesn't take very much, you know. This is this mechanical transfer. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's as simple as a tiny little cut. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, a little abrasion on that plant, just enough to get a little sap out. Right. You know, and on to the next one. Uh, and it was really interesting, you know, to see because I, I definitely a lot of my a lot of my friends out here uh, went through that heavily for years. And, you know, such a mystery. Gosh, you know, it was, it was almost, uh, almost, actually, it was more mysterious than when root aphids first hit. So that was another one that, boy, those things are resurging again. I don't know if you guys are seeing them down in California, but they are back on the march up here in Oregon again. Yeah, the root aphids are, are, are gnarly. There's not a whole lot of tools out there that can really take care of them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the hardest, gnarly. you know, the hands tied by the states for some of these, you know, for some of these cultivators, uh, I, I feel for them because uh, they are not provided all the tools that they should have access to uh, with such a high value, high turnover crop. Mm -hmm. 
it's uh, it's it's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, I've seen I've seen groups that you know have learned how to manage them, mm-hmm. but in an ex- that's an expensive process, you know, and that goes into your cost of operation, mm-hmm. and boy, that really drives up your 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 cost of input. Um, so yeah, they can be managed, but at a cost, and I'm not so sure, you know, over time that that cost is necessarily worth it. Um, but yeah, that, so that's, you know, that, that was another one though, you know, when, when root aphids first happened, you know, nobody had ever heard of a root aphid, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'll, I'll never forget the day a guy walked into my store, he came up from California and he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing about root aphids? This was 2010, mm-hmm. right? What are you guys doing about root aphids up here? Kind of me and the other guy kind of like, what's a root? Fuck it up. Like, and then we start to see, I'm looking at like ag, you know, pictures from ag and I'm looking at the plants. I'm like, this is what's happening. This is that weird deficiency toxicity thing that we've been seeing for like a year, you know, cause we've been dealing with it for about a year and no one could diagnose it here. Not a single story in Oregon could diagnose it, you know, cause we just didn't know. Um, and, and it wasn't until that point that finally someone came up and then that once that person visited the store here that you know changed the course of everything. And now we had something that we could look to and look up the solvency and how to deal with it. We figured it out pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, um, because we had basically been telling people the wrong information for at least a year, but it's because we didn't know, you know, nothing that they, the pictures they would show us, the story, you know, the, none of it made sense. Sure. So um, yeah, the uh, so yeah the 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 you know the root aphid thing and the virus you know those two have been probably the biggest thorns in my side you know from not only you know I've I've managed to not experience root aphids for ten years you know I've been very lucky oh, some wood in here so the floor not have to deal with the virus at all in my space uh, just about everybody I know has though but I'm also like I don't take cuts from people. At Craig McCone, right? And that's, I think that's probably, you know, um, been a really good and unfortunate thing for me. Uh, it's just, you know, being self sufficient. And that's why, you know, that's why, that's why I started all this to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, cracking seed, the very first seeds, I mean, even the first bag seeds, you know, in the, in the early 90s. Um, you know, it was just, I want to do my own thing. I don't have to really rely on somebody else for it. Right. 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 Yeah, you're just completely removing the vector. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, yeah. I mean that and that has been it. it. And and you know, unfortunately, a couple of my friends, you know, we run dog walker or scooby on a commercial level, right. you know, they've had to like, dude, <laughs> we need it back. <laughs> you know, we've got the virus running through our facility again, right? You know, because there's been multiple times for a lot of these folks. Right. Um, and um, you know, I've been able to provide them with a you know, at least at least a virus free cut, which has been good and helpful. And I don't mind helping out folks on that level at all. Anyway, well, <laughs> um, well, I appreciate your, uh, your, yeah, your, your insight in regards to, you know, the viral load on the viroid, everything that goes into uh, a strong cultivar, right? I mean, we, we realize that there's, um, there's things that can happen along the way with the mechanical transfer of transmission and, you know, having these strict protocols, maybe one set of shears per plant type of a thing, proper disinfecting using a Vercon S, you know, for at least a minute contact kill time there's some significant protocol that really has to be discussed in, in the operation, especially when, you know, as a nursery, like we've got, we've got strict protocol in place for this specific reason. Cause we don't know 
whether, you know, that part of the process will ever get through testing. But, you know, again, when we start seeing reports like what Joe's putting out there with that little percentage of viral load popping up after the 34th cycle, we can't be too careful. But we know that we've seen a lot of success with just keeping a healthy mother stock, translating to a healthy clone. And, you know, as long as there's no major significant stressors along the way at the next stage of the supply chain, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think, you know, it's something that, you know, once again, you know, the experience of this happening in this industry has kind of led us to this point. You know, in the beginning, it was the end of the world. You have a virus. Now we're realizing that, you know, you can clone select against it, mm-hmm. right? Because I've seen that work for some groups. Um, you can, you know, if you, there are ways to manage the plant that has it. And like you said, if you can reduce a lot of the stress factors, generally you can kind of cruise through with it for sure. Um, but, you know, this has been part of the, you know, the, the, the learning curve, if you will, uh, with our experience with this, you know, uh, since it reared its head. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm glad that this is one of those challenges where the, the industry has definitely matured from it mm-hmm. um, and helping us to recognize and realize that there's a lot, you know, once again, there's a lot more going on in this plant than we ever thought. Um, and uh, the, uh, you know, and it, it's just, it's, it's made the, the industry more aware and it's, you know, certainly you know, helped people like me become, you know, uh, you know, want to look a little bit deeper into things and learn a little bit more that way, you know, at least I can help my customers at the store uh, navigate through what, you know, can be kind of murky waters in the beginning. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So this has been uh, phenomenal contacts. I mean, just, just having the opportunity to hear your perspectives and, and really just sharing your experiences with us. It's, it's been truly an honor um, and a pleasure for sure. Yeah, Sergio, like I said, man, I, I'm really stoked for you guys. I really love what you guys are doing. I like your, your model. Um, the curators cut scenario is fantastic. Like I said, you know, any nod back to those who kind of put everything into motion as far as, you know, the genetics are concerned, you know, we, we appreciate that. And, you know, like I said, I come from an era where there wasn't necessarily a lot of appreciation early on. Um, but, you know, that was a different time. And so, you know, we fast forward, you know, 20 years or so, and there's a shoe and there's guys like you and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm really humbled by all this. Um, you know, I, 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 I it, like it really, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. So, you know, thank you very much. And, and like I said, this has been a lot of fun and, you know, it's, a, it's the, the story, my story is, is a very simple one. It's a very, you know, it's a small one, but uh, I'm hoping that it keeps making an impact. Well, we, it certainly, it certainly has. And, and I know it's certainly going to be continuing to make an impact on the cultivated familia. And Rich, sure. thank you for being part of the Cultivated Familia, man. Yeah, it's an Appreciate honor you. to be a member, man. And I can't yeah. wait to contribute a little bit more. <laughs> Fantastic. Any last parting thoughts or, or anything before we sign off? Oh, man. Perhaps thoughts. Just the golden rule, people. Do you want to others? Do you want them to do to you? Because it will come back. I promise. <laughs> well said. Perfect. Perfect parting thoughts, my man. Yes, sir. Well, Rich, again, thank you again. Appreciate your time, brother. Yes. And uh, hey, when uh, come probably this summer, we 
I'll come down and I'll visit you guys. I'll visit Dan if you'll have me, of course. Please, um, I'd love to come check out the spot, space there and you know get to shake your hand and all that stuff or elbow bump or whatever we do in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by summertime, the dog walker mothers will be at their at their peak point. So that'd be perfect uh, time. If it looks anything like that, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> that's yeah, remarkable, you're, you're man. Just, yeah, that's just wow. Wow. Yeah. Current culture buckets. Yeah. Yeah. Double yeah. XL 13 gallon. Yeah. Double uh, yeah, 13s. Yeah. That's just yeah. unbelievable. Maybe some of the biggest dog water plants I've seen indoors. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll see right. what we can do uh, with them next time, man. But, um, all right. Rich again. Appreciate you brother. Have a great rest of your you. night. Take care, man. Take care. Bye now. Peace. <laughs>